Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, June 6th, 2021. Its focus is on making Jesus master of our lives. The message to all who will listen is we must be sold out completely to Jesus and his kingdom. Now, here is guest preacher Roy Haynes. Good morning, everyone. To be or not to be, that is the question. And that's all the Shakespeare that I know. In this case, though, to be or not to be is the question. Uh, But I'll get back to you on that. This could be an opening to a study in Paul's letter to the Philippian church. In any biblical study, we need to take a look at the uh, context, the, the setting of the text that we're examining. Philippi was a special city. It was a gateway city between Europe and Asia. It was also a Roman colony, which gave its citizens the same rights as if they were born in Rome. Paul came to this city in response to a dream of a man begging him to come over to Macedonia and help us. Acts records three different people who kind of played out in this first part here. Lydia was an upper-class merchant woman. She was a seller of purple. She was among the first to hear and to respond to the message of reconciliation to God through Jesus. Next was a slave girl a fortune teller of whom Paul cast out the spirit that allowed her to do her fortune telling. Well, as you can imagine, her owners, the ones who made all the profit, were pretty mad about this whole thing. And they took it out on Paul. Paul and his partner, Silas, ended up arrested. They ended up with a big beating and were put in stocks deep inside of a prison. Around midnight, as they sang songs of praise to God, an earthquake shook all the doors of the prison open and released every prisoner. When all the prisoners stayed put instead of running, the Roman guard, who was about to kill himself because he thought they had escaped, became a believer. Took Paul and Silas that night doctored their wounds, took him to his own home, and his whole household became believers. The next morning, the city leaders ordered Paul and Silas to be set free and to scram, get out of the city. So a high-class merchant, possibly a slave girl, and a middle-class Roman soldier with his family were pretty much the beginning of that new church. Now, years later, it appears quite a relationship had grown between the church and Paul. And we have with us the letter that Paul wrote to that church. We're actually only going to look at one verse, so turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. That's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, in that area. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at the first verse. 
Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. So, all the other times that I've looked at Philippians, I've sort of passed over this address and moved on. The first thing we need to look at here is who Paul claims that he and Silas are. Paul says that they are servants of Christ. Now, the word here for servant was taken from the Greek word doulos, which actually means slave. Now, to us Americans, there's a world of difference between being a slave and being a servant. We think of slaves of the South who had no rights. If they disobeyed or tried to run away, it could cost their life or a good beating at least. Now, servants are different in our eyes. To us, a servant has some rights, gets paid for the job he or she does, and can leave the job if they don't like it. Hey, guess what? Most of us in America are servants. The working class are servants. As I look at Paul's statement here, I see Paul saying, we belong to Jesus. We are doing the only thing that we can do. We are following the only course that we can follow. We are slaves to Jesus. In other places, Paul says that he's compelled to preach. So we can either be a a servant of God and choose what we will and won't do for him, or we can be a slave where we are bound by all that we are to follow Jesus. We'll look more at that later. The next thing we need to look at is who this letter is addressed to. It's to all the saints at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. The word saints is from the Greek word hagios. And my Greek lexicon says that it means to be set aside not for common use. A more noble use is planned for something or someone who is hagios. That person or thing is set aside as holy. If we were of the Catholic persuasion, we would think of a super-Christian, probably wears a cape, done a miracle or two, and is dead. The Vines Expository Dictionary of Greek words says, saints really refers to any Christian. You're a saint, I'm a saint if we're in Christ. This letter is also addressed to overseers and deacons. Being a pastor, let me tell you, having good elders is vital to the ministry of the church. Basically, the overseers and deacons are the leaders of the church. The overseers can be anyone, really, who is responsible for the spiritual life of the church, mainly the pastor and the elders. Or in friends' circles, that could mean the spiritual life committee and now even the executive committee. The executive committee could have some deacons in it as well. Deacons came to life when someone was needed to oversee food distribution to the widows of the early church. Basically, the work of the overseers was the spiritual work of the church, 
and the work of the deacons had to do with the physical work of the church. Although Deacon Stephen did debate himself into a stoning death, and Philip was an evangelist, so the lines are a little blurred right there. There's another title that can be used for the spiritual leaders of the church, and that is shepherds. We know that shepherds look after sheep. But did you know that shepherds in Bible days literally lived with their sheep? They were constantly around the sheep. They were guarding them from danger. They were making sure they had good pasture and still waters. You know, that comes from Psalm 23. And they were making sure they were free from injury and disease. So a shepherd had a great deal of responsibility for and to the flock. Let's take a look at what God thinks his shepherds should do to take care of his flock. Please turn in your Bible to Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, just kind of hunting that area. To Ezekiel, the 34th chapter. Ezekiel 34, we're going to read the first four verses. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourself with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You ruled them harshly and brutally. Yeah, that is a list of what the shepherds of Israel did not do, but it's also a list of what we as shepherds should be doing. The leaders of God's flock should be strengthening the weak, healing the sick, binding up the wounded, bringing back the strays, searching for the lost, and doing so with compassion and gentleness. You know, that almost sounds like what a Sunday school teacher a small group leader, a parent, or any Christian in general really ought to be doing. We're all responsible for and to someone. Now it's time to go back to those things that I mentioned earlier. To be or not to be. Let's put it this way, to be a servant or to be a slave. Each of us does have such a choice. We can choose to follow Jesus as a servant, keep our rights and options, or we can choose to be Jesus' slave, where we have no other path but to obey God with all that we are. That sort of reminds me of Jesus sharing the parable of the talents. That's found in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 14. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents of money. By the way, a talent 
according to the note in my Bible, was worth more than $1,000. So he gave him five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The one who had received five talents went out and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, buried it in a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. The master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We are daily given that same choice. Will we make ourselves slaves for Jesus and serve him with all that we are, all that is within us, or will we choose to be servants and cling to our rights and keep our options open? Are you a servant for Jesus or are you a slave for Jesus? We may realize that we are actually servants. I think Jesus has tons of servants few slaves. But we may find that in our hearts we want to be more for Jesus than we are right now. So how do we make such a change in our busy, sometimes confusing lives? I remember the change that happened in my life when I began to do a personal application Bible study every day. In this study, I was to look for a message from God in the passage that I was studying. I would look for a a promise from God, a command to keep, a timeless principle to live by. Then in conclusion, I would ask, how do I apply this to my life? 
You know, the more we seek to know God through his written word, the Bible, the more we will grow to be like his son, Jesus. Along with this is prayer. I have noticed that although I meet Jesus in the morning, there can be long stretches throughout the day where I really don't communicate with him. Not directly, anyway. I have used what I call pit stop prayers, where I schedule a little two-minute pauses away from what I'm doing to connect briefly with God in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. I remember back when I was going to Barclay College the first time. I was in West Hall. I would come out of Jim Linegar's math class and go back in behind this huge old furnace. And there I would have my pit stop prayer for just two minutes of time to make sure I reconnected with the Lord. You know, those little stops can do wonders in our walk with him. Other times I've taken the time to camp out before the Lord. This is where I stop everything and seek to focus on Jesus until I feel connected with him. I'm sure that each of us have felt times when we just sort of felt dry inside and, and not as close to God as we want to. Well, that's a good time just to stop, camp out before the Lord, draw all your thoughts back to him, praise him, give thanks. God is good. Another way to grow in God is to pray for those around you. It doesn't have to be elaborate prayers. It can just be a whispering of their name before the Lord. My prayer list began with my family and those directly around me. But it expanded and expanded. I don't get to pray for everybody on my list every day, but I keep at it. Sometimes there's a, a sense of urgency and, and a real sense of connection with God while I'm going through this list of people that I'm lifting before him. Now, there's this third situation we might be in. You know, the, we could be a servant, we could be a slave, or perhaps we're not even in the game yet. Maybe you haven't decided whether to follow Jesus or not. Often, we put off making a decision on this or that, but putting off the decision just might be the decision itself. Yes, choosing Jesus can have a cost. You may have to give up certain activities or things. I, I felt that way once, but when I did make my decision for Jesus, half of what I feared I would have to give up just didn't seem to matter anymore. When Jesus enters a life, that life changes. Priorities change. Most of what I've ever given up, I have traded for joy, peace, and for purpose. So why not choose now? It's easy. The thief on the cross, alongside Jesus, admitted he had done wrong. He asked Jesus to remember him when Jesus came into his kingdom. In return, Jesus promised him paradise that very day. A note here. Someone being crucified might be on the cross up to two and a half days. They had only been on the crosses a few hours. 
How could Jesus' promise to the man come true that day? You will be with me this day in paradise. The Jews did not want the bodies on the cross during the Sabbath, so they petitioned Pilate to break the legs of those on the crosses and take them down. The legs of the thieves were broken, but Jesus was already dead, so they stabbed him with a spear to make sure, and the blood and water poured out of his side. Thus, that very day, Jesus' word to the thief was kept. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you noticed that most of God's promises have a condition or conditions attached to them? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So, in this promise, believing and trusting one's life to God is the condition there. It's like a contract. You meet the condition, and I will do this. In this case, if you choose Jesus as your Lord and let others know about it, and if you believe that God raised him from the dead, then God will do his part, and save you. He'll save you from sin, from guilt, from eternal death. He will save you for himself. God loves to save people. He loves to forgive and to draw us to himself. Once I asked God's forgiveness for something, I I don't remember what it was, I felt I had damaged the relationship and that it would take a couple days to get back in God's good graces. After asking forgiveness, I walked over to my dresser and pulled out a scripture card out of its box and read, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Our transgressions, our sins from us. I realized that within two minutes, my relationship with God had been restored. The Bible tells us that when God forgives us, He puts our sins behind his back to remember them no more. It's as if we had not sinned. We start with a clean white slate. God is amazing. Whisper a prayer to God, just as the thief on the cross did. Admit your sin, your self-centered behaviors, and choose Jesus as your Lord. I'd like to close with a song. This song I call, I Have Seen Jesus. Just be thinking about where you are and uh, about moving closer to the Lord. I have seen Jesus and he is alive You may wonder how I would know this He lives in my heart, he's forgiven my sin Yes, I have seen Jesus and he is alive 
I have seen Jesus in the pages of his book. Just open the Bible, please take a look. You'll find him there, just as I did. You will see Jesus, he'll be looking at you. I have seen Jesus in the lives of his people. I know it is true, for they are like him. They love with his love, they live like he lived. I have seen Jesus, he's looking for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God gave him for you, God gave him for me, then raised him to life again. You can see Jesus, he's looking for you. The Bible plainly he says it, you can know that it's true. He's here right now, calling to you. Give your life to Jesus, he'll give life to you. He's here right now, calling to you. Give your life to Jesus, he'll give life to you. Give your life to Jesus, he'll give life to you. He's here right now, calling to you. Let's pray. Father, we come in Jesus' name. You are awesome. You have done so many wonderful things. Uh, you have called us to you. <laughs> For those who have received you, you have saved us. And if we were to die today, Lord, we would go to be with you. Thank you. Lord, I pray that you would be with each of our lives as we look at where we stand before you. As, we, as we've looked into the mirror of your word, I pray that uh, you would show us where we are, that we would be willing to take the next step forward in you. And Lord, uh, I just thank you for your very awesome love. So glad that you care for us. Pray that you would be with each one of us this week, that um, we would seek you that we would uh, carve out the time to read your word, that we could spend some time in prayer, especially for our family, our friends, for those around us, but even to go beyond that to world leaders and, and countries that are in trouble and, and your Christians who are suffering. There are so many people who need your touch, and uh, we're here to call you to send help to them. I pray that your spirit would give us new life this week, that you would bless us to be blessings to, to uh, those that are around us. Thank you for your very awesome love. Please help us to walk in your power this week. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.